everybody welcome to another episode of mellinger minutes for your ears i think we can still call this an experiment but it's going really well and that's mostly because of well savannah first of all and and you guys for spending your time with us giving us a chance and and also helping us with with the middle segment it's been a lot of fun we have another great guest today pat mahomes former big league pitcher and also happens to be the father of uh, Patrick Mahomes. Had a good conversation with him that I wanted to share with you guys. Baseball is still on my mind. And you guys, like, I feel sad. I feel sad. There's there's frustration, maybe a tinge of anger, but mostly just sadness. You know, there's a ton of bickering. You've probably seen it online, social media, everywhere, between the owners and the players. And look, I still think that the season will happen, you know, follow the money, right? And and there's just too much money at stake from both sides. So I, I think a season will happen. But what I'm sad about is I feel like already, even if there is a season, even assuming I'm right about that, that already baseball has missed and is missing a chance. They could have done this much differently. They could have done this behind closed doors, or they could have done this with more mutual respect. They could have done this with more, you know, global perspective, I guess, of an understanding that they're in this together and that this is a challenge for everyone and that, you know, dragging this fight and, and, and letting it get ugly to where, to where it is now, nobody wins. Nobody wins. Baseball could have had a plan. They could have worked together. They could have been, you know, among the first out of the gates. And, and I think that that, would have been more beneficial for Major League Baseball than other sports because they're third right now, right? They are behind the NFL and they are behind the NBA in terms of, certainly in terms of popularity, in terms of TV ratings, in terms of, you know, attracting young fans. Major League Baseball is third. And this was an opportunity to get their product in front of people who otherwise may be watching something else. And instead, what they're doing is sort of confirming the worst thoughts that a lot of people had, that it's greed, that, you know, nobody believes the owners, uh, nobody has sympathy for the players. They just want sports. And especially at a time when unemployment is rising, you know, people are, you know, watching every dollar and, and having more stress than ever. And, you know, baseball can be a release. Baseball can be part of the healing process. I really believe that, even if that sounds corny. But instead, what they're seeing is billionaires and millionaires fighting over billions. And again, I do think that this thing will get worked out. I think that, um, you know, probably be a little longer season than the owners have, you know, have, have presented. I think that players will probably take a little bit additional pay cut, but hopefully that'll be deferred for them later so they get it back. I, I, I do think that those details will get worked out just because the alternative is so dire for all sides. But, um, you know, th- there was a higher calling here. There, there was a, a, another game that could have been won in these negotiations. And, and that was to present, you know, uh, just present more of a, a, an attractive front for people who, who, like me who love the game and others who, you know, might have given baseball another chance if, um, you know, if they had returned in a little bit better way. So uh, it makes me really sad that that opportunity, I think, has now been passed. I think we are past the point of this ever being able to be resolved. And, 
um, in a way that makes everybody feel totally comfortable and, and good about the process. Again, I, I do think that we'll have games, but you know, baseball left something on the table here. There, I, I keep using this term, but there's an opportunity cost missed here. And um, they may or may not, you know, sense that this season or next season. But I, I think long term, the, the health of the game would have been much better served if this was approached in a different way by both sides. Just makes me sad. But either way, uh, if and when they come back, uh, I will be the first to watch. I can't wait for that. So, okay, guys, that's it for the top here. We're going to take a short break and then come back uh, with a really good round of questions. Thanks a lot. Hey, Sam, it's Beamer Carr, representing Chiefs Kingdom out in West Palm Beach, Florida. I uh, love your Mellinger Menace. Just wanted to ask if you could add um, any player in the NFL to the Chiefs' current roster, regardless of cap implications, who would that be? Or, uh, since you love lists, who would be your top three players that you would love to add to the roster, irregardless of, a, uh, regardless of cap uh, implications? Thanks. Have a great day. Bye. So... I'm going to go all defense um, since uh, the Chiefs don't go defense at the top of their draft. I'm going to go all defense in this. Uh, the first one, I don't know if this is like too obvious, right? But Aaron Donald is the best player in football other than Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, he plays in a 3-4. He is simply unblockable with merely one human and would be an absolute terror in the middle of that defense. I mean, can you, like him and Chris Jones lined up next to each other? Like, give me a break. Um, the next one I'd go, uh, number two would be Steph Gilmore. Uh, he is the best cover corner in the game. And look, like you guys know by now, um, I'm a Charverius Ward believer, I have been since the beginning, but they are still, you know, even if you think Bashar Breeland can be the same thing that he was last year, they're, they're a little bit light at that position and you know if they had some you know top shelf star you know steph gilmore's is the first one that pops in mind there are others including marcus peters not to start a whole big thing but steph gilmore would be perfect for them and then the next one would be bobby wagner i guess i'm going like each level of the defense right but you know bobby wagner he's a little bit older i think he's almost 30 but i still feel like he's got something in him you know and i assume this question is just for a year but you know, he's a stud linebacker, athleticism, smarts, you know, can play the run, good hitter, uh, but he can also be a factor in the passing game. You know, some of that, maybe not the hitting part, but some of that is what they expect to get from Willie Gay. You know, that's worth mentioning here. You know, just a, a fast linebacker who's not afraid to play between the tackles, uh, but can also cover, you know, sideline to sideline. So anyway, that that's what hits me in the head. Uh, I'm curious what, what you guys think as well. Okay, let's get to the next one. Hey, I'm this is Zach. I'm just wondering if you think there's going to be an NFL season this year because uh, I'm not positive there is at all. I don't think there's for sure NFL, and I'm not sold on it yet. Anyway, just wanted your take on it. Yeah, so you know that question has been asked a lot of weeks on this show. And I will continue to answer it probably most weeks on this show because I know it's what is on a lot of our minds. Um, I, I've talked to probably somewhere between five and ten people actually that that work in and around the league this week uh, for some other stories that'll be uh, coming up. And, you know, obviously this is a topic that, that comes up in any conversation that you have with, with anybody in the game. And um, I, it's every time, and, and I'm not even going to say almost, because every time some version of there's too much money at stake 
is said. Um, you know, there's there's just too much going on for me to believe that the NFL is is not going to get this going. They, they've got more incentive than most. You see the bickering, uh, the fighting in, in in baseball about what having no fans will do to revenue. Um, the NFL that that that'll be an issue, right? Like tickets. Tickets aren't free, um, and and they'll get you on parking, and they'll get you for concessions and everything. But that TV money is just so outrageously big that that is the one thing that matters more than anything in this for, from the league's perspective. So, um, you know, they want to keep that money. <laughs> um, they want to keep that money. So it, it, it's, I don't know if I'm just being naive here, but it's hard for me to imagine that the NFL doesn't, you know move mountains um, to get this thing going. It's just that that is hard for me to imagine. Hi, Sam. This is Will calling from Lenexa, Kansas with a question for the Melinda Minute for years. So this came from, one, your great article on the 50 most influential people in KC sports history, and two, rewatching some of Ken Burns' baseball, which brought this question to mind even before the article got published. But while Buck O'Neill's appearance on the program and his continual fight to get recognition for the Negro Leagues and those who played in it helped pave a way for some of those players, coaches, and executives to get into the baseball home of the same. You know, if there was a bit more nuance beyond that. But the question is, what persons or groups in sports currently do you believe to be currently underappreciated and or underreported on that would greatly benefit from having someone like Buck go on a program and give their story or persons or groups that are currently trying to do that but aren't necessarily getting the best results? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And in some ways, I think about this all the time. Um, you know, this is a big part of my job, actually, of, uh, you know, trying to find these stories. And, and there's a there's a few sort of profiles, I guess, that, that come to mind first. The the first is the Urban Youth Academy. And, and I know that you know, we, we've written stories about it, and uh, I think everybody knows it's up and running now. But they they are doing some really really good work there, spreading baseball. You know, where it, it hasn't been as popular in recent years, in recent decades. I think it's one of these you know win win all around. I think the the sport of baseball can benefit from this. Um, you know, regardless of any of these kids make the major leagues or anything like that, but just you know, spreading a joy for the game. Um, you know, I think can be helpful, and I think that. You know, the kids uh, benefit from obvious reasons. I had my kids signed up for it, actually, and was really, really looking forward to him being able to learn baseball and, you know, meet new friends and all that. I was really bummed. I'm looking forward to uh, to when they'd be able to, to get that back up and running. I know there's, you know, some programs like the the Police Athletic League, you know, programs like that. And then the, the third is, you know, it's just high school coaches, man. I mean, like, I, I think... And, and I think I mentioned this before, but putting that list together, you know, the hardest thing other than balancing history in the moment was trying to figure out what to do with high school coaches, high school figures. And I have an enormous respect for high school coaches, you know, the ones that, that are in and this is the vast majority, the ones that are in it for the right reasons, care about kids, you know, do the right things, all that. I, I have just an almost indescribable respect for those people. And I've tried whenever I can, I've tried to find those stories, high school coaches, people like, you know, the Urban Youth Academy, anything like that. You know, I try to I try to write those stories. I think those stories are great. I think those stories are, are important for people to hear. Um, I think they make people feel good. I think they inspire people. So I love doing those stories. And this is kind of a cheap way, I guess, of me saying, if you know of these stories, if you know of, of people, you know, sort of ordinary people doing extraordinary things, uh, please let me know. Please let me know. I love doing stories like that. 
Okay, we got time for one more question. Hey, Sam, this is Gary Schmidt calling to you from Lawrence, Kansas. So I got a pretty tough one for you today. I'm going to start off with a little bit of, press, uh, of a preface. So one big fan of your work. I wrote for the LHS budget for three years on everything from sports to, like, a sit-in process at my school, and so you're kind of legend around those parts. Uh, obviously, growing up a Chiefs fan, I want to do everything in my power to keep my homes in Kansas City, as I'm sure everyone in the area does. But I'm curious to what your opinion on being able to uh, keep Mahomes in Kansas City. And he's obviously he's going to become the highest paid NFL player of all time. But how can the Chiefs do that in a way that isn't going to capsize the team so poorly that we're going to lose all of the championship pieces that we put around him? The Watkins, the Chris Jones, the Tyree Kill, all of those players. They all play a super important role to this team, and we want to keep such a great young nucleus together. So, in your opinion, what is the best way for the Chiefs to go about paying Mahomes what he deserves? Uh, yeah, and thank you. <laughs> okay, so uh, Gary's hitting on a, a few easy ways to get on the show. Be a Lawrence High Chesty Lion, call me a legend. And then also ask a timely question that, uh, you know, unwittingly, because he, he sent this in before the column posted the other day, but unwittingly references a column that is in uh, the paper and on the website. So this is absolutely the trifecta. Well done, Gary. Uh, that is a new record. Um, I, I hope you did read uh, the column. I think it posted uh, yesterday and, and will be in the paper this weekend. Um, you know, the column focused on, you know, sort of what Mahomes can do. Um, you know, nobody in the history of this league has had the kind of leverage that he has right now. And, and he can get things that, that no other player can. I mean, that's going to mean, um, for sure, that will mean the, the biggest contract in league history. But there's some other mile markers that, that he might be able to go for, like tying a salary to, um, you know, a percentage of the cap or, you know, getting fully guaranteed money, you know, things like that that, that, can, that can help spread to, uh, to other players. Around the league, I know agents and players are watching this negotiation closely, but, um, you know, your basic question, um, you know, it's not a hometown discount. I, I don't think that's what we should be talking about here. Um, you know, he, he has earned every penny um, that he'll get. And it is not Patrick Mahomes job or Chris Cabot, his agent. It's not their job to make sure that, you know, the defense has enough playmakers or that, um, you know, they can find room to pay for other players. That, that's Brett Veach's job. You know, that's the job of the Chiefs front office and, and their crew. Um, so I, I don't know that it shouldn't be on the players um, to take less. You know what I mean? You know, teams uh, sometimes break up. You know, that's why there's a salary cap. You can't keep everybody. And uh, you got to you gotta find a way to keep it going. But, you know, to me, that's on that's on the team. Um, you know, that's on the team to draft right, um, to, you know, spend their money in, in smart ways um, and, and let Patrick, you know, sort of fill in a lot of holes because um, he is obviously uh, more than more than capable of doing that. So, um, look, I, I do think that um, there, there are ways that 
because what you say is, is what both sides want, right? Like both sides want Patrick to be the highest paid player in the NFL and both sides want the Chiefs to be able to, you know, continue to surround him with talent. So, you know, that's one reason why I think, uh, you know, tying the, the money to the salary cap um, could be a good idea. You know, it, it, it protects both sides a little bit, especially, you know, as a next year, the 2021 salary cap is uh, probably going to go down, you know, if, if the season is played without fans um, in the stands. I mean, that's 40 percent of the league revenue. So uh, at least according to Forbes. So, um, you know, th- th- there's ways that you can you can offer some protections. But, you know, gosh, to me, um, first of all, as long as you have Mahomes, you have a chance to win a championship. And then, you know, second of all, if that front office blows this chance, it's not going to be because, uh, you know, Mahomes took too much money. You know, it's going to be because they didn't do a good enough job finding new players. Um, that's the way I look at it anyway. I mean, I, I know that I come at this from, you know, sort of a pro player's point of view. I recognize that that's a bias that I have, especially in, in the NFL, just because, you know, that's, we, we tune in to watch the players, you know, not Clark Hunt. And, and I think that uh, that gets lost sometimes. And, um, you know, one thing the players have going against them is that their salaries are, are always published. You know, we, we always have their salaries on the website and, uh, and owner's profits are, are hidden. Um, and so uh, the owners need to spend and, and the players need to take every dollar that they can because their careers are short. It's a dangerous sport. Um, and, and you never know if you're going to get another payday. So anyway, that's how I look at it. So Okay, and uh, actually, speaking of Mahomes, um, you will be interested in our next guest. Right, we are back with a conversation with Pat Mahomes, former big league relief pitcher and probably better known by now as Patrick Mahomes' father. We got into a couple of different things that, that I might write about in the next week or so, but I thought it was a, an interesting conversation with a guy who, you know, obviously I have a lot of respect for. And so I thought we'd share it here. I hope you guys enjoy. So um, I just, I had this idea. I, I just keep thinking about, um, <laughs> you know, like your son, obviously, and uh, I, I know that me and you have talked and other people have talked about, you know, the influence that, that you had or the influence that he had, you know, just being around a big league clubhouse and everything growing up. But like, I guess more specifically, I'm wondering if you think it was important that the two biggest male influences in his life were not, you know, not just professional athletes, but they were they were guys who, who made long, successful careers without being, you know, perennial all-stars. You understand what I'm saying? That, that like mm-hmm. sort of that instead of the influence being, you know, whatever, just some super over the top talented guy that can just get by on that. He was watching two guys primarily who had to grind, who had to, you know, work through some stuff. And, you know, your son is obviously blessed with a lot of, uh, natural gifts, but I guess I'm just curious if you think that was an important part too, that he had to see, you know, look, everybody's got talent, but this is what you have to do to stick. Uh, I mean, I think so. Um, I mean, he got the, it kind of gave him a little, kind of like a blueprint and, you know, of, you know, how hard it is, you know, to, to get there first of all. And, and secondly, how much harder it is to stay there and, and, to be, you know, a professional, you know, uh, mm-hmm. he, um, 
he uh, was around everybody, and he was around, you know, a lot of the great, great players, you know, the, the perennial all-stars and stuff, and he saw the work they were putting in, you know, to be able to to be able to say that they were a perennial all-star, and I just think it, it stuck with them on how hard they worked, and they were supposed to be the best at the game, and then to see, you know, his dad and Troy and some of the others, you know, you know, working as hard as they could just to, you know, to be able to stay there and be a contributor on the team and that everybody has a role and it doesn't matter whether you're the best player or, or just one of the players on the team that everybody is pretty much equally important. Yeah. Um, I'm not asking any names or anything, um, unless you want to, right. <laughs> but were there guys that, that you played with that you, might even point out to Patrick when he was coming up about, you know, look, this guy was more talented than me. You know, this guy was, um, you know, had a lot of talent, but didn't make it because of the X, Y, or Z. So keep that in mind. Well, yeah, I mean, he saw several guys like that. I mean, you have that in, you know, every sport, you know, guys that get there real easy and, and think that it's just a given that they're going to be there. And then, you know, they hit spurts and, and, and relax and don't put all put in all the work and you know next thing you know they're gone so i mean he's seen that from you know a lot of different of my teammates he even seen me you know get there so easily and then you know having to make a detour you know all the way to japan to get my head you know back on straight so i could put in the work that i needed to do to be able to stay and play there you said your your head put back on straight. I don't know that we've ever talked about that. Are you saying that your your work ethic went the wrong way well, for a little bit? No, it wasn't. It wasn't the work ethic. It's just you know, kind of feeling like I said, feeling like you know you should be there. That you're you know one of the better players, and that maybe you don't have to work as hard or put in all the preparation that's required to to do your job at at a elite level. Oh, that's interesting. So he saw you go through both parts of it is what you're saying. He saw you have to grind to stay there and then maybe lose that a little bit and then get it back. Yes, exactly. You know, and, you know, you know, my route was, a, uh, you know, my route there was, you know, fairly easy. You know, I was one of the youngest guys in the big leagues and, and, you know, already there and had some success, you know, right out the gate. And then, you know, things went kind of bad for you know, a year and a half or two years. And, and I mean, he got to experience it, you know, he got to see it, you know, and firsthand, but he also got to see me, you know, have to go to Japan and, and do all the stuff I had to do over there and then come back. And even though, you know, I pitched very, very well in spring training that year and didn't give up any runs, you know, I didn't make the team. I still had to go to AAA for a month. And then get back. And then once I got back to, you know, not lose the game that year and, and pitch the way that I did, he just, I think he saw all that and he just kind of, you know, he's kind of a sponge. He just kind of soaked it up and, and was determined that whatever he did, that he was going to make sure that he put in all the work that was needed. Yeah. Um, his career is young, obviously, but, um, is there anything that he does? preparation or off season or anything like that, that really sticks to you that says, yeah, he, he, he learned all the right lessons or else he wouldn't be doing this. Well, I mean, 
I mean, we talk about he grinds, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he takes his couple of weeks to, you know, to relax for a minute or so, and then he gets right back into it, and, and he doesn't take it for granted. I mean, he doesn't – it's not a deal where he goes, you know, once or twice a week, and then, you know, that's good enough. You know, he's out there every morning, you know, doing, you know, what he needs to do to get better, doing what he needs to do to, you know, try to prevent injuries, doing, you know – what he needs to do to to become a better player and a more complete player and and he's working on it all, all the time and he's he's in his you know he's in the classroom he's 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 learning the plays so that you know now that when they call him you know he knows what they're going to call when they call him and it makes it a lot easier for him to spit it out in front of the huddle and and get things there and get a better look at what the defenses are trying to do yeah um, you know, one of the things that you hear a lot from, you know, as coaches and teammates is a lot of what you're just talking about and, um, you know, sort of the diligence, uh, you know, both physically and, and mentally. Are, are there any cues that you and others close to him might look for when, um, you know, in, in three years and five years and 10 years and all that, you know, to, to you know, to, to really gauge to make sure that he's he's sticking with this and doesn't, you know, drift a little bit? Oh, I just know I just know his mentality and his, and, and his personality and I know what his goals are so I don't too much worry about that part of it I know he's going to put in the work because he's always done it I mean he's always done it since he was young you know and so that part of it I don't worry about he's um he, he's he's like I said he's a rat you know he's like he's like a gym rat he, he's always trying to learn so as long as he's doing that and I'm seeing that, then there won't be any problem. But if if there were, did come a situation where he kind of slapped off some, I think he has enough people in his circle that that they will they will tell him, you know, that they're seeing something different and, and he'll get right back to it. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking mostly about, you know, if success can change people and obviously it's changed others, but um, money too, right? And um He's about to sign a, a really big contract. Is is there anything that you or Latroy anybody's talked to him about with you know sort of how to deal with what's coming in that way? No, oh, well, me and me and Latroy, you know, we talked a little bit after the first year, you know, after him having the success that he did, and and I said something to Hawk about, you know, maybe you know we should set him down and kind of you know explain to him some of the things that could happen and may happen, but, but Latroy had a really good answer. He said, you know, as long as he's doing what he's doing and he's doing it right, he said, don't even put those thoughts in his head. So that's kind of how we're taking the approach, you know, just letting him see how he deal with it. And uh, he seems to be doing a good job of, you know, keeping it all in check and, and keeping a level head and, and doing and saying the right thing. So, you know, we're just going to leave it all. Good excellent, you know. You know, if it isn't broke, we're not going to try to fix it. So, uh, just letting him, you know, be be the man, be the man that he is, and everything seems to be going okay. Yeah. Is there anything? I mean, you know him obviously in a, in a different way than anybody else. Like, um, is there anything beyond the obvious that that you would see as a cue that he is starting to drift a little bit? Uh, no, no, not at all. I mean, he's he's. He's focused. I mean, he's ready to go, ready to play. You know, um, 
trying, like I said, trying to get better, trying to get, you know, make the team better. And, and, um, I mean, I'm, I have no worries right now. I mean, he's yeah. just going out and playing the game that he's played and going out and having fun. And I don't think he considers it, you know, as, as a job, really. I think he's just going out and playing and trying to do whatever he can to win ball games. I, I, I phrased that question kind of awkwardly. Um, what I meant to ask is, um, is there anything beyond the obvious that you would see as a Q? You know, not, not, not that's happened so far, but, you know, in the future, what anything beyond the obvious that you would see as a Q is like, oh, okay, maybe it's time to have that talk now. Well, I mean, if he, if he starts, you know, panicking a little bit or, you know, stressing a little bit, uh, that would be a Q because he's always, you know, he's more laid back, but, you know, he gets fired up for the game, so if that ever wanes a little bit, then that would probably be a cue. But, you know, right now, I mean, I think he has what he's looking for in front of him, and he's not going to be satisfied with where he's at or or what he's doing. I mean, he's going to always try to get better. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, cool. Um, I was like talking with you. I appreciate your um, your insight and everything. How, how are you feeling, feeling your days now? Uh, uh, you know, I got my baseball team, so you know we just started back. So, we, oh, you did? You know, we, yeah. So we, I have three teams that are getting ready to have four high school team. Getting ready to have a high school team now. Now that it's summer, but those are my days. You know, practices, games, you know, lessons. You know, trying to prepare these kids to get ready to go to high school and hopefully go to college or the next level and 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 maybe get a chance to realize their dreams. Yeah, um, my kids. I mean, they're not even close to the level that, that you're dealing with, but they they're about to start baseball in a week or two. But there's a bunch of different guidelines of, of how they do that. Are, are your practices? Do they look differently than they than they would have last year? Well, we actually, um, to be honest with you, so far no. Yeah. But uh, we actually played a tournament this weekend, and okay. uh, and it was the first one, and and. Everything pretty much looked, you know, looked the same. I mean, some people out there had masks on and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Can't shake hands after the game no more, stuff like that. But other than that, I mean, if baseball is baseball, I mean, you got to play. I mean, you're going to be around people sometimes. So, yeah. you know, it's, I mean, you try to keep them a little apart in the dugouts and stuff like that. But for the most part, you know, we're still just playing the game. Yeah, it's got to feel good to be back on the field. Oh man, it was great. It was great. Yeah. Um, you know, um, we were even fortunate enough to win the tournament. So, you know, everything, everything's on track. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Okay. Um, well, cool. Um, again, I appreciate it. Um, I'll probably write something maybe on this, maybe next week or so. Um, and, uh, oh, it, 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 is it cool if I use some of this? We're, we're starting to do like some podcasts. Is it cool if I use some of this on, on a podcast that we have? No, uh, that's fine. That's, okay. that's fine. Okay. Uh, awesome. <laughs> you you can't see me, obviously, but I had a huge smile when you said you you guys are back playing baseball. Um, God, I miss it. Yes, it's, uh, it, it, it is a relief to get out the house and to be able to get out in the sun and mm-hmm. and you know, like I said, start back teaching these kids and trying to make them better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool, Pat. Um, I appreciate your time, sir. All right, thank you, son.
Okay, guys, as always, thank you so much for your time, and I hope we are worth it. Huge thanks to Savannah Smith, who always does most of the work on this. Thanks to Pat Mahomes for his time uh, and answering some questions for us, and thanks to everybody who listened and especially who wrote in. We'll see you next week. All right, thank you.